was a blessing, wasn't it? Thank you very much, men, and uh, enjoyed that. Enjoyed it. Love to hear a good quartet sing like that. And Andrew hit the bass note. It's good. I like it. Very good. Well, let me say we've enjoyed being here and hope to come back and uh, bring our three sons someday. That's a goal we have. I told Brother Montoro, you know, we're just kind of scouting things out here and then we'll bring them back and have a good time. But you all have made us feel very much at home. I really appreciate that immensely. And I, I love your pastor and pastor's family. You all are very blessed, aren't you? And having them here and, and we've enjoyed uh, their fellowship through the years. And then also, you know, as as the, the Montoros have uh, come, you know, to college and others, um, Carolina and Anita and different ones that have been a blessing to us. And and uh, so we're very thankful for that and quite humbled that, that uh, you know, people would leave here and come to Oklahoma, you know. <laughs> it's kind of a different setting there. And, and uh, But, you know, every place you go, it's, it's really a blessing that when people know the Lord, you have fellowship. You know, this morning I was downstairs uh, prior to this service and uh, met some of the Individuals there in the uh, Spanish-speaking church and ministry, and uh, even though there's a language barrier, there's a connection through the Savior, and so I'm very, very grateful for that. And uh, it's been a blessing to us. I hope that we've been a blessing here. It's just been a joy to get to be with you and spend a little bit of time with Brother Jason and Miss Anita last night. Appreciate their hospitality and and uh, known them a good little while too. And so it's all been very, very good. And so I'm looking forward to preaching here this morning as well as tonight. And so let me go ahead and direct your attention in your Bibles, if you would please, to Genesis chapter number 25. And we'll start there. And that will not actually be our text, but uh, just kind of a little introduction to where we're going to be here this morning. Genesis 27 is going to be our actual text. So Genesis 25, though, will give us a good starting point. And again, I consider the life of Jacob and Brother Montoro mentioned about, you know, the blessings and how that blessings come from the Lord. And that's a major theme of the book of Genesis and how that God promised to bless all nations, all people through the seed of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And so we're going to read about that now in Genesis chapter 25. How about we stand in honor of God's word? We'll read a little bit of the Bible together. I may make a few comments along the way and just help us all to be on the same page as we get started here. Genesis 25 and beginning in verse number 19. And the sermon title here this morning is this, in tune with God's will. Being in tune with God's will. So important, isn't it, that we all would be in tune with his will. So Genesis 25 And let's begin our reading now in verse number 19. It says, And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Isaac begat, Abraham rather begat Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took to, took Rebekah to wife, daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Pandanaram, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her. Let me pause there just a moment just to say, I believe if your kids are already fighting before they're born, you know you're going to have some struggles in parenting. Isn't that right? So here they are even prior to birth, and they are struggling within her. 
And so uh, let me drop down to verse number 23. The Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. Can you imagine those baby pictures? That'd been quite a sight, wouldn't it? And they called his name Esau, which means red, red. So here's a red headed baby. All right. Now watch this. And after that came his brother out and took hold on Esau's hill. And his name was called Jacob. Jacob means uh, hill grabber. So they looked at this situation and thought, isn't that cute? Look, his younger brother is grabbing hold of his heel and said, well, let's call him hill grabber. Jacob. All right. And Isaac was three score years old when she bared them. And the boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter and a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. I believe that's Hebrew for he was a mama's boy. Esau was a daddy's man. Jacob was a mama's boy. All right. Now watch this. Verse 28 says, And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. You everybody see that? So we have quite a family situation going on here. Now let's go to chapter 27 while you're still standing. We'll read just a few more verses. It came to pass, verse 1, that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called who? Esau, his eldest son. And said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old, and I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow. Go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, and that my my soul may bless thee before... I die. Now, hang on. Wait just a minute. Who's that supposed to go to? According to what we read in chapter 25. Supposed to go to Jacob, wasn't it? And so now he's reorganizing things to say, I want to bless Esau. So it says in verse 5, And Rebekah Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob, watch this now, She spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, make me savory meat, that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord, before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. And we'll stop our reading there, but if you read on through the rest of the chapter, and you continue reading into chapter 28 and following, you would see over and over again the theme of God's blessings. And you would see that God wants to bless Jacob. But you would also see that Jacob is quite a conniver. He's quite a manipulator. Let me say it this way. He was quite a hill grabber. He was living up to his name, like tripping his brother. Now, God wants to bless him. But he's going to have to work in Jacob's life to move him to a place where he can bless him. I want to thank God this morning that God loves us just the way we are. 
but he loves us way too much to leave us that way. And thus he works in us to bring us to a place where we can be blessed and where we can be used. That's what we're going to see this morning. And I want to ask you you this question, very simple. Is your life in tune with God's will? Is your life in tune with God's will? I believe you want your life to be in tune with God's will. Isn't that right? I want my life to be in tune with God's will. But we need to see that from the life of Jacob. May God bless the reading of his word. As you're seated, we'll actually get right into the message here this morning. Like I mentioned a few moments ago, I really enjoy good quartet music like we heard, or a good trio, or a good choir singing, you know, and the harmony that's blending in there, you know, and the bass and the tenor and the, and the uh, other parts that uh, are in between. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. I love it. I love it. I really do. I love it when it's right, you know. <clears throat> now, I don't sing in a quartet, and there's several reasons for that. <laughs> and holding tune is one of them. I've learned this. There are many things that can go wrong in a song. Isn't that right? I mean, you can come in on the wrong note. Uh, you could sing the wrong words. I have written a lot of songs. Or I should say it this way, I've rewritten a lot of songs. Getting the, song, the words of a song kind of mixed up in my mind, you know, and end up reinventing a song, you know, or rewriting a song. You can add notes. You can add words. You can come in too early. Isn't it embarrassing, you know, when, you're, when you're, uh, you stand to sing and nobody else is standing or you come in before everybody else has started to sing? That can really be embarrassing. You know, you can come in too strong and, and such. And, and, but, you know, I think we all would understand that for a song to communicate a message, obviously it's got to have the right words. But also this, everybody's got to be in tune. You, you've got to be in harmony together. Well, if this morning, that if we can liken this chapter... To a family quartet, you know, where, what is it, daddy sang bass, mama sang tenor, and me and little brother just joined right in there. I, I think that's how it, how it goes. If this is a family singing, if, maybe we could call it this, the Isaac family singers. What do you think? The Isaac family singers, and I'd say this, every one of them are off too. Every one of them are off key. And yet God's going to work to tune them. Now here's the deal. Our lives can get out of tune with God's will. I'm letting this represent the perfect will of God, where, where we ought to be, just right under God's authority, right under God's will. It, I like what one preacher said, a country preacher. He said, I want to be under the spout where the blessings come out. Are you with me? I want to be under the spout where the blessings come out. I want to be where God, you know, can bless. Well, sometimes we write our own music or we come in too early, we come in too strong or, or we, you know, we're, all, we're out of tune with God's will. Sometimes we can think that we're right and everybody else is wrong. I'm reminded of a story of a man driving home on the interstate and his wife called him on the cell phone and said, hey, honey, be careful on your way home because there's a man going the wrong way on the interstate. And he said, listen, honey, there's not just one person going the wrong way. There's a bunch of them going the wrong way. <laughs> of course, he was the one going the wrong way, but he sure thought everybody else was. You know, sometimes we can think everybody else is wrong and, and I'm right. But God wants to tune us. You have a beautiful uh, piano here. And, but I, I know that a piano has to, it has to be tuned. Isn't that right? For it to make the right sound. It's got to be in tune. And thus you actually have a tuner who uh, tunes the piano and uses an instrument to make sure that it's in tune. 
Um, think about a guitar. I, I don't play either, you know, and, but, but a guitar has to be tuned. I watch people as they get ready to play. They're tuning, you know, that instrument. And, and by a standard, they'll have a, some type of a device, a tuner that's there to see, is it registering in the right key and such as that. And, and there's got to be some standard to go by. Uh, there's actually uh, apps, you know, for your phone or for, you know, your tablet or whatever that will uh, register what, what key you're singing in, you know, as, as, that's, uh, as, as just a song is being played or sung. I thought about it this way, Brother Andrew, what it, what it would it be like if we had somebody designated to go around in the church service to see what key you're singing in? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a little bit intimidating? You think, uh, get that away from me, right? You know, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm hitting that. Hey, listen, God has a way of tuning our life, and this is his standard. His standard is the Bible. And every time your preacher stands to preach or another preacher stands to preach, it's like God is taking his word to see how are you matching up with what's in my word. How's, how's your attitude? Does anybody in here ever need an attitude adjustment? Have to be tuned. How, how's your thinking? How's your words and matching? How's your words compared with what God says? Well, this is convicting, isn't it? And how that our lives can be out of tune, you know, with God's will. And how's your direction of life? Is your direction of life going the way that God wants it to go? And how's your family? And how's your marriage? And how are you doing as a parent? Or how are you doing as a friend? And how are you at the workplace? I'm telling you, this word, God's word, is alive and it's powerful, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, and, and it is God's perfect standard, and He tunes our hearts uh, together. Now, now, here's the deal. If you have another piano that's out of tune, you can't tune this piano by that, to, that piano, because otherwise, now you have two pianos that are out of tune. Isn't that right? You have to have a standard. But if you use a tuner... And you tune that piano by that standard, and you tune another piano by that standard, then now both of their both of them are in tune with the standard, and watch this, they are in tune one with another. Do you see how this comes into church life? That when we give heed to God's word, what it does is it tunes my heart. And it tunes your heart and individual hearts. That way there is unity in a church because God tunes our hearts. And when we're in tune with God and his will, then we're in tune with one another. Are you in tune with God's will? Why do you need to be in tune with God's will? I believe we're here this morning because we all recognize that it is important to be in tune with God's will. Is that right? Say amen if it is. Is that right? It is right, isn't it? Because we need to be in tune with God's will. And I believe the fact that you're here this morning indicates I want to be in tune with God's will. I want my marriage to be in tune with God's will and my family and my individual life and my attitude. I want to be in tune with God's will. But I believe everyone here would also acknowledge if this is where God's will is, there are times... That I'm out of God's will. Not proud of that. But there are times when I know what God wants, but I get out. Maybe that happens while you're driving through traffic. Right? You know you're supposed to be patient and kind. 
But man, I'm telling you, traffic can be real bad and you can get out of God's will in a hurry, isn't it? You know, or different situations of life that kind of get you out of tune with God's will. We want to see from this text why Jacob needed to be tuned. Why he needs to be in tune with God's will and why your life needs to be in tune with God's will. And really only you and the Lord know whether or not you're in tune with God's will. I mean, somebody else may hear and say, "Ooh, you're a little bit off right there, brother or sister. (laughs) You with me? But, but you have to be the one here today, judging by the standard of God, to see, am I in God's will or not, or am I in tune with God's will or not? And, uh, but I know I want to be, and there's a good reason to be. You see, here, here's why Jacob's life needed to be in tune with God's will. Because God wanted to bless his life, and God wanted to use his life, but he could only do that as if Jacob was in tune with the will of God. You see, God made a promise to Abraham and, and said, Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And through you, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And he, and he said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm, I'm going to bless you. And, and those who bless you, I'll bless. And those who curse you, I'll curse. That's what God said to Abraham. And as God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees and, and changed his life and brought him to faith and such, then he began a journey of being blessed by God. And every now and then, let's, let's acknowledge, acknowledge this, every now and then Abraham would get out of God's will. But thank God for, the, for how merciful that he is and compassionate that he brings us back into tune with God's will. And that's what happened in Abraham's life. And then also in Isaac's life. But now we have a new generation that's on the scene. And this is represented here by Isaac and, or sorry, Esau and Jacob. And God said to Isaac, Isaac, I'm going to do something different. If I could paraphrase here just a little bit. I'm going to bless the younger. And the elder would serve the younger. Now, normally it wasn't that way. But isn't it true that God has a way of working in your life in a way that you did not expect? And he's God, and he can do, of course, what he wants. But he also knew something by his perfect foreknowledge of Esau, and he knew something of Jacob. And he knew that Esau could not be trusted with his blessings, and he could not be used because of the character that, that Esau would be and that he would persist to be. It wasn't that God didn't love him and didn't want to work in his life, but Esau would be resistant towards God's will. But he knew Jacob, and he, in his perfect foreknowledge, he knew that, that as he worked in Jacob's life, that Jacob would respond. And so God is going to pour his blessings out on Jacob. But it's going to take a good while for him to get where he needs to be. Isaac thinks he's about to die. And by the time we come to chapter 27, his eyes are dim, he's older. And evidently, he, he's concerned about the day of his death and thought that he's going to die. Here's what I've learned. Most men, when they get sick, think they're about to die. Isn't that right, ladies? I mean, it can be just a common cold. But most men think, I'm going to die. <laughs> I know a few years ago, I got the flu. First time I'd ever had the flu. And, and man, I tell you, I missed church because of it. I hadn't missed a Sunday for a long time. And I was there languishing at home. And praying, how long, oh Lord, how long, you know, shall it be that, that I'm going to have this? I mean, it was miserable. Most men, when they get sick, think they're going to die. Now, most ladies, as they're, as they get sick, they just, ladies, you just keep going. You just, you have to keep going. And, and that's, that's how that works. But here's Isaac, and he thought he was going to die. 
So he calls his son Esau to him, and he says, Esau, um, I know not the day of my death. I want you to go out into the field and to harvest an animal, bring me the venison, make it just like I like it. Now listen, wait a minute, hang on. Here was the blessings. Here was God's will. He knew what God's will was. He knew that God said, I'm going to bless and use Jacob, not Esau. But here's, here's what Jacob said. I'm sorry. Here's what Isaac said. I know what God has said, but I want to bless Esau. Is that a problem, church? Out of, God, out of God's will. He was living by his senses. He was living by his appetite. And, and when you begin or I begin to make decisions based on what we like or our appetites, I'm telling you, every time it'll lead us out of God's will. And that's what happened in the life of Isaac. And, and there's not a problem that he enjoyed the meat. I mean, I think every, every man enjoys, enjoys meat. I mean, I'm sure many of you like to cook out and have a barbecue and, and have, you know, some, some good hamburgers or some steak or some ribs. Am I, it's way too close to lunch to start talking about all this, isn't it? But man, I'm telling you, we, we enjoy smoked meat. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, popular here, but especially in Oklahoma, you know, you have barbecue and Texas barbecue. It's a big deal. And every year we have a men's advance and uh, brother Wayne Hardy up in Stillwater has that uh, men's advance and over a thousand pounds of smoked meat. I'm telling you, it's awesome. The only smoking that Baptist men ought to do is smoking meat. I, I believe that. And uh, man, they smoke that meat, and, and it's such that you can smell it on your fingers after you've eaten. And man, it's just—it's awesome, you know. And that's what Isaac loved. He loved that smoked meat. So he said, "Son, I want you to go out there and and kill that, and then bring it in." Well, Rebecca overheard her husband's plan. Now, do you see a problem with that? As a husband and wife, really, they should have been on the same page. But she overheard Isaac's plan to bless Esau. And so she called, did you see what the Bible said? Her son. Well, really, it was their son. But it refers to him as her son. Now, an interesting point here is this, that never at one time is Isaac and his family ever together all at one point. It was Isaac and Esau, and then it was Rebekah and Jacob, and then later in the chapter, it's Jacob and Isaac, and then it's Isaac and Esau, and then it was Isaac and Rebekah. Is anybody confused? Okay. I'm just trying to make a point that it, at this stage, the family's not together the way it's supposed to be. Can, can I just pause right there to say this? It's so important for our church family, of course, to be together in unity, but also for this, it's important for our families to be together in unity. You know, it's important from, for us as husbands and wives to, ha- to have time together. But isn't it true that life has a way of pulling you apart, busy with work, busy with kids and running here and there and Hardly having time together or families having, hard, having a hard time having time together. Hey, listen, as important as it is for us to have our boys sitting in a pew with us at church, it's just as important to have them around the dinner table. 
and look them in the eye and listen to them and hear what's going on. And I love to fish, and I love to take those boys fishing. And, and it's important for me to sit beside them on a bank and get ready to do that here in a couple of weeks and just go fishing with them. Because, you know, for us to stay in tune, I've got to know what's going on in their heart. I believe families in America all across the nation are in great trouble because rarely is the family together as a unit. Hey, look, we've got to fight for that time and, and really make it a purpose. And thank God that you have your family in church and, and you're making that effort. And, and I know that that's... That's where you're sensing, I want to be where God can bless our family and, and bless us as a church family and, and use us. But every now and then we just need God to tune us, get out of tune. Can I say to you, it's important for you to be in your church family on a regular basis. God bless you for being here. But, you know, sometimes it's easy, isn't it? You know, this is where God blesses his church in these times. But it sure is easy to get out of church. Once you've missed one week, it's easy to miss another week. Oh, listen, if, if uh, that's where you are, then let God tune your life. Let him mold your life and bring you to a place where he can bless you and where he can use you. And I know he uses his church and, and his word. And so stay in tune with God's will. Isaac was out of God's will. Rebecca, she gets out of God's will. And she says to her boy, Jacob, Jacob, come here quick. You need to go to your dad. He's going to bless Esau instead of you. Now, now, hang on. Wait just a minute here. Rebecca was right that it was supposed to be Jacob that was blessed. Isn't that right? We know that. So you'd say, well, I mean, she's, she's actually right in line with God's will. She is, but the way that she's going about it is not right. She's going to manipulate the situation. Can you see some good preaching going on right here? Now, men, I think we need to take this into account that Rebecca would not have operated in that way if the husband had been where the husband was supposed to be. Now, I realize she has her own heart and makes her own decisions and can, can get out of God's will all by herself. Isn't that right? But a husband's there as authority to be in place and say, you know, we're going to keep our family in line right here. But Rebecca got out of line and she, she said to so Jacob, Jacob, come here quick and I want you to dress up like your brother, wear some of his clothes. And, and uh, she said to, to Jacob, go kill, you know, one of the goats and I'll make some, some meat just like your daddy likes it. And Jacob said, but mama, he's going to know that I'm not Esau. And she said, don't worry about it, son. I got this all figured out. So what she did is she said, I'm going to take some of that goat hair and put it on the back of your hands and on the back of your neck. Now, I just want to stop right there and say that must have been one hairy dude, you know, and Esau. I mean, if it's goat hair on the back of his neck and the back of his hands, my soul. Anyways, he dresses up like his brother. He comes into his dad to Isaac and, and, and Isaac says, uh, who is it, my son? And Jacob lies and says, it's me. Esau deceived his father. He said, called him closer. And remember, he doesn't have his eyesight at this time. But the Bible points out, and you can read it later, but it points out how that Isaac smelled Jacob and who he thought was Esau or posing as Esau. And he said, well, smells like Esau, man of the field. Felt the back of his hands. 
back of his neck said, sure feels like Esau. But it was Jacob. He deceived his dad. Lied to him. I believe the Bible points out three different times he lied. Heard about this guy that uh, was in court. And they asked him, he was there because he'd been in an accident. And said, now, how high can you raise your arm? And he said, about like that right there. He said, now, how high, the judges, how high could you raise your arm prior to the accident? He said, like that. (laughs) So here's Jacob, out of God's will. He said, well, preacher, isn't he in God's will? Because he's the one that's supposed to be blessed. True. But at this point, Jacob is grabbing What's his name? The what? The hill grabber. He's grabbing, grasping for that which God actually wants to give him. Isn't it amazing how that we often are grabbing for that which God actually wants to give us? If we'll just trust him. Isaac, out of God's will. Rebecca, out of God's will. Jacob, out of God's will. Esau comes back, finds out what his little brother did. He says, as soon as daddy dies, I'm taking the life of my brother. That's what he said. You can read it later. Way out of God's will. Here's a family... That's out of tune with God's will. God wants to bless them. God wants to use them. And yet Jacob right now is not in a place that God can bless and that God can use. For the next 20 years, Jacob's going to have to learn a hard lesson. You ever been there? Learn some lessons the hard way. For the next 20 years, he served seven years for Rachel, or who he thought was Rachel. Turns out it was her older sister, Leah. And he says to Laban, Laban, you deceived me. You know, I found out that what goes around comes around. Poetic justice. At work in the life of Jacob. Laban said, you know, around here we honor the firstborn. Not sure how you do it back in your country. To bless Jacob and to use Jacob. Watch this. God's going to have to break him down. He's going to have to get him to a place of submission. Where he will humble himself before God so that God can bless him and so that God can use him. The next part of the story is where Jacob goes out and he's leaving home. He's somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. And that night as he beds down, a ladder came down from heaven all the way down to where he was on earth. 
Remember this story? And he saw the angels of God. And the Bible says he saw them ascending and descending. Ascending and descending. And out there in the middle of nowhere, God revealed himself to a fugitive. God revealed himself to a man who was on the run. In fact, we might say it this way. A man on the run ran into God. He has a troubled past. He has an uncertain future. And he's in a really difficult situation right here. But I sure am thankful, church, that there's a God in heaven who cares about a liar. Jacob was. He cares about a hill grabber. He cares about a manipulator. He cares about a man who has a troubled past and an uncertain future. He cares about you today. I don't know everyone here. I've enjoyed getting to meet many of you. But I know God cares about you. And I can say to you on the authority of the Word of God that Jesus came from heaven to earth. That ladder did not go from earth to heaven. I believe next week or so you're going to learn about the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel went from earth. They tried to make it to go up to heaven. But man's effort always fails. God must come to man. Jesus came to man. I'll close with this reference. In John chapter 1, Jesus meets a man named Nathaniel. Philip introduces his brother Nathaniel. Jesus called Nathaniel by name. Nathaniel said, How is it that you know me? He, Jesus said, While you were yet under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathaniel was amazed. And he said to Jesus, Thou art the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus said to Nathaniel, you can read it later in John chapter 1, he says to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, are, are, you, are you amazed? You know, because you've seen these things, you'll see greater things than these. In fact, here's what he said. He said, you'll see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Ascending and descending. Does that sound familiar? Same words that are used here in Genesis chapter number 28. Ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You know what Jesus was indicating in that passage? He's saying to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If your life today is out of tune with God's will, if today you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's not just that you're out of His will, you're in a place where He can't bless and where He can't use you, but He wants to and He loves you and He cares about you and sent His Son. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is the will of God that you would be saved and be saved today. Jesus came that you might be saved. And if you are saved, then you have life. But Jesus came not only that we would have life, but that we might have it more abundantly. But to have life abundant, we must be in tune with God's will. But to be in tune with God's will, God's got to bring you to a place of submission. And he cares so much about you that if it takes the next 20 years, he'll do that. But it sure would be good if you saved yourself some time by saying, God, whatever your will is for my life, I want to bow to it. You're in charge. God's going to change his name. How about you come back tonight and we'll consider the rest of the story of Jacob. 
And God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Highly significant what God did. But the same thing God did then is the same thing God's doing now. Tuning our hearts to be in his will so that he could bless you, so that he could use you. Is your life in tune with God's will? Let's stand together today for invitation time. Is your life in tune with God's will? The Holy Spirit of God uses the Word of God to show us, to convince us, to convict us, to show us where we're not in tune with His will. May I ask a couple questions here as we prepare for an invitation time? How many of you could raise your hand and say, Preacher, I know Jesus as my Savior. I've been saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. Would you just raise your hand if that describes you today? Thank you. You may put your hands down. Not to embarrass or point out anyone here today, but with heads bowed and eyes closed just to give privacy to the moment. Is there anyone here that say, Preacher, you said Jesus came from heaven down to earth to die in my place. But if I died today, I don't know for sure. That heaven is my eternal home, but I am concerned about that. Would you just raise your hand today if that describes you? If I died today, preacher, I'm not 100% sure that I know that heaven is my home, that my sins are forgiven, that I've been born again. Is there anybody like that? Just raise your hand this morning. I'm not going to ask anybody to come to you or anything like that, but just, just for me to see. Would you mind? Now, I'd like to ask one more question. How many of you would say, preacher, there's some ways in which my life's out of tune? With God's will. Would you raise your hand if that's you today? God spoke to your heart. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, indeed. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and then I'm going to turn the invitation over to your pastor. Let him extend the invitation as he sees fit. But if God spoke to your heart, I'd encourage you to come and bow yourself before the Lord today and let him tune you to be in his will. Father in heaven, I thank you today that you love and you know every individual that's here. And I pray, dear God, that you'd speak to hearts, Lord, as only you can. And, Lord, I know that uh, there's ways that we get out of tune with your will. And I'm thankful for your graciousness, the way that you love us. And you bring us back in tune. And I pray that you would do that today. Help us now in this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brother